Two Perspectives. Die Podcast about Creative Coding and Generative Design by Patrick Hübner and Tim Rodenbrücker. Hey everyone, super excited to have you back for a second episode. Um, last week, or last episode, we talked about uh, our perspectives on generative design and we kind of want to follow up on that and dive deeper into what that actually means for us and how that works for us. Um, we both discussed, we don't really want to, you know, go into any technical details at this point at least, but really just share our creative strategies, our findings, give you an idea of how we at least believe um, generative design has worked for us. And what we found was kind of a, a sort of formula for the creativity and for you know creative practice and work. And um, this underlying formula is like super exciting because it's both completely simple to understand and it opens up an infinite potential of uh, just things you can do. And um, we thought about how to kind of share that with you. And then we thought, you know, let's just tell the story of how we actually found it. And then, you know, go into deeper details of, you know, um, you know how we took that even further. So I think the best way to tell that story is just to hand it over to Tim and kind of let him tell the story of how we got to know each other and got creative on that thing. Sure, sure. So hello, everyone. It's amazing to have you here. Uh, it's super excited. Second episode, super cool. Um, yeah, basically, it just started out in 2014, I think, when we met in here in Paderborn, which is a small city here in, in, in Germany. And um, I was coming from Münster. I've studied in Münster uh, design, basically. I've studied design in Münster. And I came back to my hometown to work in the company of my father. So to be honest, that was not the, it was not really a decision from the bottom of my heart. It was more like, you know, I need to do something. And he founded a furniture company, which was quite exciting. But I felt like, okay, I, I basically want to do something uh, with the things I really love. And what I loved at that time was music, right? So I still love music very much. But at that time, <laughs> I was really focusing on producing and performing electronic music. And... Um, Well, in that time, I, of course, I earned my first money after my bachelor studies and I was working on a, on a kind of a live show for electronic music with hardware, right? So I was thinking about how can I build a, let's say, stage performance, which is completely improvised, uh, where no computer is necessary, right? And, well, I don't want to dive too deep into that, but I met Patrick one day in summer 2014, I think, and we discussed how we could work together As you probably know, Patrick is a very creative person. He worked as a designer in an e-commerce agency at the time. And we had the idea that he could make the visuals for my music, right? That was something, an idea that we followed. And 2009, this book uh, have, has appeared called Generative Design. And because Patrick had this huge background in programming, um, we decided to create this live show for the music for my band project in Uvic, right, with a programming language called processing. And that was basically the very beginning of this idea of creative coding, right? So for us. So that was really the initial, the initial, uh, how to say that? The spark, maybe. It's, it's what kind of ignited everything, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. That was, that was so crazy to see how fast, Patrick, uh, you, um, how fast you just created these amazing visual worlds with processing, right? Generative visuals that basically reacted in real time to the music. And because I was uh, studying also a little bit film and how to, you know, how to create short films with very basic techniques, um, that was a new uh, dimension because we had this interactive and data-driven part in it, right? So what I just discovered is, or what we discovered through our conversations is that the principle, the underlying principle is that 
the algorithm that you wrote, Patrick, right, with, with processing, converted the music into visuals. And that was the moment when we kind of discovered this input-output model, which we today use very often. I mean, you use it much, much more often than me for creating generative design projects. And input-output means, I mean, tell us what, what it means, Patrick. <laughs> How does it work? <laughs> It means what it means, yeah. No, but it's um, it's quite interesting because um, when you say we discovered it, I think we truly did. But though, uh, obviously, at some point we realized we weren't the first one to think this way. Yeah. Um, still, for us and in the applied um, field of just graphics design, it was something that both opened up an entirely new way of, of just thinking or working, I guess, because. What we realized is that almost every generative project, and definitely the ones we did, kind of um, follow the same pattern of kind of taking whatever inputs and then by a process, you know, by by whatever we call the algorithm, we can get into that maybe later, um, yeah. create something new. We, we transform that into something new. And while that might seem like, you know, not an exciting thing at first, you take something and convert it into something different, if you really think about it, that opens up a huge amount of potential. So in the case you were describing, the cool thing about it really was that um, we just kind of stumbled upon that, obviously, right? But we had this, like, infinite pool of um, just awesome data, which was your music and your live performances. And by definition, because they were live and they were improvised and they were not coming from any kind of pre-produced tracks or anything, um, it was just like pure randomness at in point, yeah, like absolutely. in terms of data, but it was also very controlled and it was very musical and very beautiful, which um, these two things, you know, taking those and asking yourself, what does music actually look like? And, you know, which components of music can set something into motion? Um, I mean, there's like the loudness of something, there's the beat, um, there's the entire spectrum, there's multiple instruments. Yeah, there's so much stuff in there. Um, and so that's how I just really got started with everything because I, I started to like look at both worlds. A, what's possible obviously with generative design and what kind of... Mm. Um, like shapes and abstract forms initially can you create with this but then also how can you meaningfully connect it to the music and create something which is you know a little bit bigger than just the sum of its parts and um, I think that was definitely the the initial thing that happened for us right but I think the story really uh, or the plot started to thicken when we actually took that time off and, and went into the cabin in the woods to kind of really dive deeper into the whole thing so um, maybe I hand it off to you again to tell that Wonderfully semi-romantic experience we had in the woods. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty really, pretty crazy. I mean, just if I look back, I mean, we know each other th since seven years, and there were so many interesting points when things changed and moved in several directions. So so exciting. But what I want to say, I mean. Uh, basically, you started with a fantastic generative playground, right? You had this universe, this laboratory of possibilities. Yeah. So the music was there, as you said. I remember you uh, connecting the Kinect camera to the computer, using that to also alter and, and manipulate the visuals. So that was a magical moment for me. As you can imagine, I'm a very, very artistically driven person. I'm very creative, always looking for new forms of expression. And uh, the story is that from that moment when I saw what you did, uh, I was completely, I started to get bored of music, <laughs> right? I started to, to really, really to, to see that the, the real new world that opened up there for you was so inspiring for me. And that was the reason why we had this kind of breakup where I just quitted the band project 
in a time when everything went very fast and very well, right? I mean, remember all these amazing gigs in these locations like yeah, crazy places, Domizil Dortmund, and these wonderful venues, right? That was a fantastic time. But uh, yeah, basically, uh, then everything changed, and we started to focus on, or I started to focus on creative coding as well. Um, I have to say that before, of course, I had a little bit of uh, experience in programming my own website. That was something I've been pushing in my studies pretty much. So I've always been looking into my own website was also my coding playground for that time. So that was something that was kind of important for me. Um, so I didn't really start from zero. I started at one, let's say, right? That was magical for me. That was like an epiphany, like a, like a, like a dam collapse of ideas and creativity. But I think how we kind of channeled it, you know, for the next level and also how we really got to discover the input-output model was when we, um, you know, um, kind of just rented a cabin in the woods, um, a cool place that Tim had explored earlier on with a, with a good buddy of us, uh, Lucas, who's also yeah. doing the audio on this uh, super uh, cool, um, you know, just uh, thanks a lot for that, by the way. Um, and... I kind of went there to just, you know, after kind of breaking up on the music part um, to kind of, yeah, just discover what's possible when you really give yourself like a week of time, um, no internet, no nothing. So we, um, you know, consciously um, try to get as far away from the, from the real world as possible, just really dive into this um, core idea of, you know, generative design and what's possible with it. And I think two things happened or probably multiple ones, but One thing is we formed sort of a daily habit of just generating content based on very strict rules, mm -hmm. um, which is, is really something that to this day is a, is a very powerful strategy um, in not getting completely lost. And um, I mean, the other thing really was about these um, discoveries that we had because we cheated sometimes and we went out uh, of the woods and had a pizza. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I yeah. vividly remember at that time actually discovering Tumblr. I didn't know about it before. Um, and uh, especially I, I vividly recall, um, I think we mentioned that already in the first episode, we recorded um, the Tumblr blog of FY Processing by Justin Lincoln, who was um, at that time and is still collecting wonderful works in that field. And I think this combination of a daily habit, so kind of continuously um, trying to get better to understand this stuff and then looking at other projects and works and, and really being curious what you know that was, was what then surfaced for us, this basic idea, like every of these projects, everything we had been doing and what we saw was always following that pattern, right? They were taking hmm. some input, be it dance, be yeah. it music, be it randomness, be it text, you know, there's like a million of things you could put in there. They were always transforming it into something else. Music becomes a poster, you know, sound becomes a visual, I don't know, text becomes a book cover, all that kind of stuff. I mean, think of these works by Adrian M and Claire B. I mean, those were very inspiring for us as well for the live show back then, right? So that, that is really so cool that this pattern is so simple and it's so easy to describe a project idea with that. And inside of these two components that this pattern consists of, universes of possibilities arise. And that's, that's a very, very cool and powerful thing. And um, I, you, you said that a few minutes ago, but what I really believe is that the pattern is so simple, basically, it's so easy to explain, but it's difficult to get your head around the, let's say, the, the, the concept. But if you cross that border, uh, you can think completely different about design, completely different about how to implement computers, algorithms, code into projects. And that's, that's a, yeah, that's an epiphany, right? 
I think the cool thing about it really is now looking back at it um, that you really always, you know, call into question what it is that you're designing or branding or, you know, whatever goal you have. It could be, it can be used for both art and design and anything in between. For me, I've always been super interested also in my, my past life as a, as a first designer and creative director, you know, in, a, in an agency that was kind of fusing branding with electronic commerce. Mm-hmm. And to understand the client, to understand that product, to really be interested in both, you know, what that product is, you know, how it works, what it's made up of, why it's unique. But then also, you know, obviously who... Um, who's supposed to be using it or, or looking at it. And I think this kind of curiosity is something that is also really important for this field that we're in right now, because if you look at it, everything can be transformed into data really nowadays, right? I mean, mm. uh, um, I, I did a really cool project which um, takes weather data and turns that into packaging because the core story was that without the weather, this product would not ever have grown, for example. So if you look at it, like um, you can actually... Um, make like a bottle of wine into a set of data because it kind of is important, you know, uh, what wind and uh, rain and whatever went into it. And the same thing about, you know, uh, for example, motion, Adrian M. Claire B. I mean, in the end, the body itself can be tracked and recorded. You can take uh, just a little hand gesture or the entire body and uh, kind of generate anything you want out of that. The cool thing about it really is, again, that um, you start to like peel back the layers of something until you reach something which is really at the core and at the very essence of you know what it is mm-hmm. the same thing we talked about music right i mean if you look at music it's kind of sound over time but um what exactly is that sound and, and what it is is it made up of i think that's really exciting and it's very much aligned with what you do tim what i very much learned from you is looking at the very fundamentals of things you know really breaking it all down until you're at the very core and i think you were very inspired um uh, to do this even before like our generative approach with your Inge blog mm. and uh, the book Nea Machina and, and all of these things. Yeah, I mean, this this is something I'm currently also uh, writing a lot about uh, during doing my master thesis. So for me, it has always been very inspiring um, to implement philosophy into my life and into my work. And I, I'd always try to explore how these attitudes that I build and these, these let's say, these per- perspectives influence all the aspects of my life. How can I integrate specific attitudes into my life? Not just without, let's say, writing them down, right? But living them in in a, in a real, in a in a very intense way. That's something I'm I'm really uh, interested in, and it simplifies your life so much, right? Really looking at the core of things helps you to uh, to to decide whether th- something is important or not. And that's something I find in design, and that's maybe something that makes me excited about design as well. Because uh, designing is about thinking about the material, uh, thinking about the the theme or this topic, and uh, yeah, looking at it with a let's say reductional or working on it with a reductional mindset, and that's that's something I find super cool, super cool. Not just for designing products or you know uh, working for clients, but for designing my life, for designing my let's say, my life business model, my everything, everything that surrounds me. And the deeper I go into this, uh, I feel like it's kind of addictive (laughs) to me, (laughs) to be honest. Um, That I also think is really true. Like once you start to think in certain patterns, you um, discover those all around you, right? I mean, and I always like how you also inspired me to... um, 
think about the other philosophies and what these things mean. I, I think initially when when we got into this, we obviously were thinking about how to use it and what to do with it. But, you know, the longer we spend time with generative design, I think the more we realize that it's much, um, yeah, that it, it touches much more spaces than you would imagine because it really brings together people with, you know, um, the core essences of so many interesting uh, cultural facets of, of this world and kind of also puts them at the center of it. And there's so much stuff. I mean, the cool thing about this input-output formula really kind of is that it becomes uh, a playground for creativity. And it's something where at the very core, this, this you know, finding this process and finding how to connect it with the different inputs and outputs um, just puts yeah people a lot of times at the center and it makes it so discoverable. It makes it, I don't want to say democratic, might not be the perfect word for it, but it kind of, the thing about it is when you think about more traditional design, it's usually from the top down, right? It's like somebody thinks of something, then you, I don't know, do like some research and stuff, and then it kind of trickles down to the end consumer. But kind of, you know, the way we nowadays interpret this, I think it's more of a level and playground with both like the input the output and like the person seeing it. And so that is something which I'm like always super excited about when, when I think about this field. Definitely. Absolutely. So what I also see in this pattern at the moment is that basically uh, I'm currently researching a new theme, which I've discovered for me, basically the, let's say the aesthetics of the digital or basically how the aesthetics of the digital influence the physical world or our realities. And um, yeah, design changes so much at the moment, right? So the control, that's, that's something people still um, try to, to, let's say, keep the control over design systems. But in times of COVID-19 pandemic, post-digital age, uh, things change rapidly into a direction where we lose control or we, ha we have to think about how media basically uh, comes to life right through algorithms and, and code and and computers and that's something something very interesting i find it uh, super super cool to research that theme and uh yeah i mean this is a universe <laughs> right we talked about so many you know so many fields now and well patrick i think input output is a wonderful entrance to come from from a mind's perspective into this thinking right so this is a good entrance, like a door. You can open into a huge new universe of possibilities. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the primary thing, I think it's also maybe a barrier to entry into this world of generative design. And we talked about that in the, in the first episode. It's kind of how to get started, um, how to... Obviously, first, just, you know, get your hands dirty and play with it. Um, that's easy. There's a lot of cool stuff out there. But then where do you take it to make it your own, really, right? To, to make it into something that you're actually really invested in and interested in. Because you can only have so much fun copying, like, the algorithms of, you know, the old masses and whatever. Mm. So I think this input-output idea really helps so much just finding good ideas and um, also just uh, to stay motivated. Um, yeah. I think especially... That's why I mentioned the story where we went to the cabin in the woods. At that point, we didn't actually realize it, but we were all already following um, this model in a way, though we were experimenting primarily with inputs of randomness and, and I guess, like results of math. Um, only later did we actually uh, introduce, like, I don't know, sensors and, and more nuanced and complex worlds of data. But uh, the core idea still stands. I think that is just something which kept me motivated for such a long time because I always had a clear path forward, small steps 
that I could achieve uh, within a day or two um, without, you know, having this huge mountain of, you know, impossible things ahead of me. So I think, yeah, that's a, that's a wonderful way of actually putting it. Just, you know, it's a, it's a fundamental creative strategy, which is at the core, which helps you to stay focused and not get completely lost. I think the input-output pattern could be something like, you know, I always compare coming into this world of creative coding uh, with uh, climbing up a wall, right? Climbing up a huge wall, which you can uh, look over. And I'm kind of, as, as an educator, that's my job. I help people climbing up that wall. And when they are up there, they can see the sacred land of possibilities. And maybe input-output is that kind of, let's say, structure of the sacred land, right? There is, There are all these possibilities that can be done creatively and realized with art and design. And... Um, Yeah, this is something, I mean, what we didn't remember yet, uh, mention yet, is the mind map, right? The mind map for us is a tool, um, we created a mind map of this uh, uh, input-output pattern where we listed and connected hundreds of uh, possible inputs and uh, outputs. And we printed that to the wall of our office, former office, uh, back in a few, few years ago. And that was a very inspirational, let's say, visualization for, for the possibilities. Yeah, I think we should link it in the in the description or in in the in the on the website anyway, so that people can access it and see what we mean. I mean, the joke about that always kind of was that you could just take I don't know two two dot arrows and throw one to the left, one to the right, and you got a new project. Yeah. And <laughs> looking back at it, um, it's really interesting how many of these inputs and outputs I was able to connect by now, right? I mean, I, I took weather data and turned that into packaging design. I turned took dance movement and, and created like illustrations showcasing the very essence of that dance. Uh, I don't know. I took the sound of the earth and, um, and you know, mm -hmm. made a, a, a sonic branding for a space agency out of it. There's so many things that I've done, which were already on that mind map. Um, and, but I just hadn't done yet. or hadn't thought about. And I, I remember that yesterday we were on a walk and, and talked about this also a little bit. And, And to me, it, it had this kind of association to an instrument, right? If you think about a guitar or something, mm. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know, 24 frets and six strings, uh, and it's a world of infinite stuff. But you can still look at it, and you can still, you already see it in front of you. You just have to kind of discover it, really. And from there on out, there's so much stuff they can do with it, really. If we were to just say it once more, you know, um, the whole like formula for creativity, uh, if I were to put it in a couple of sentences, I would say understanding input output as a basic way of, you know, entering this world and seeing it as a creative strategy, which really empowers you to um, find huge amounts of new ideas um, and then kind of apply it initially, especially if you're possibly starting out, apply it to small projects, realize what you're doing, but don't, you know, build this huge thing, but just kind of try to make it a daily or semi-daily habit, breaking mm -hmm. it down into simple projects, which you can actually achieve yeah. and then start to um, see more and more of these patterns really unravel around you everywhere in the world in every project that you see, always thinking about this. So I think that for us um, is the condensed way of, of, of how we did this for the past seven years, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it just creates a specific awareness, right? So basically when you work on a project, uh, not just gener generatively, but you know, it creates this awareness of this pattern happening in our world, right? So when you design something, you... Uh, you start thinking about what is the input right now? What is the output right now? Right? So that's, that's very interesting. I think it's also a perspective to look onto creative processes in general. 
And this is super powerful and this helps, you know, in my work, to be honest, uh, you are basically working with these clients and you have very specific input-output connection that, that you work with, right? I do the same, but mine are more because I'm educating and teaching mostly young design and art students. We start from the very beginning with these basic principles like randomness and some math waves and stuff, right? So, I mean, you are more doing this in the, in the more advanced world, right? So I'm doing or applying this pattern at the moment um, right now in my curriculum uh, or in my teaching more on a low level. Uh, but that's, that's cool. I mean, that's, that's very interesting. So like, I mean, it's not that different. I mean, agencies, brands, they reach out and they have an idea. And what I usually try to do is tell them like, look, um, uh, basically give me a chance to give you like an one hour or one and a half hour introduction to this world because um, I'm not that much a fan of just using generative design as a tool, but I really love to tell stories with this. And uh, I think this is specifically where the input output comes into play because otherwise it's just kind of a dead system doing something, which can sometimes be very helpful. And I've done projects where they were just used in the production of assets, you know, for global rollouts. And that was kind of cool and all good. But I, I'm, I'm more interested in the stories. So I do also try to educate and teach, though not with an as sophisticated as curriculum as you have, but I really try to condense mm -hmm. this core idea of input-output yeah. uh, very much for these uh, agencies. And I, I see the same thing happening that we hope might happen to you listening to this episode right now, <laughs> where um, I really have these designers and, 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 and art directors coming back and creative directors and saying like two or three days after that initial talk, like, look, man, I thought about it and couldn't we do this or wouldn't this be possible? And then I start to see that they realize, you know, the potential and they start to see, you know, all these connections. And I think that's just a process you have to yeah. uh, kind of kickstart in your brain as with everything that you do, obviously, creatively. It's it's about this habit and just seeing connections that were otherwise uh, uh, hidden before. Perfect. I really enjoy these conversations. I think it's it's very, very cool. Uh, it's, it's a very focused talk and it's something different than we when we are alone talking about these things. This is very nice to, to just sort these ideas and thoughts. Um, yeah, nothing to add. I'm super happy. Um, yeah, looking forward for the next episode. Super cool. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>